What's up, everybody? Welcome back into another edition of Bar Top Sports Talk. You're tuning in to episode 43 with your host, Tino Bernal, and co-host of the show, Ryan Murray, a.k.a. Big Lebowski, a.k.a. The Dude. I say that because Ryan has the Big Lebowski shirt on today. I dress myself. Oh, okay, okay. No Noel this time? Nah. You do come in with some drip, man. I do got to give you... Some recognition on that. You do come in with some interesting shirts. What do you mean interesting? Like my Jordan Poole shirt? You like that? Well, that one, the Hawaiian Chief shirt. Only shirt I wore twice. <laughs> How you doing this week, man? I'm good. How are you? Not too bad. Can't complain. We hope everyone out there listening is having a good week. Hope you guys enjoyed episode 42. We have some more stuff to get into for episode 43. It's now beginning to be kind of an exciting time if you're a Kansas Cityan. I know the Chiefs season ended, but we do have the draft coming up, as we mentioned in the last episode. Not only that, Royal season is almost in full swing. It's spring training, but the opening day is inching closer and closer, March 30th. We may even have a special guest up on the show before opening day. I'm sure you all may have an idea of who that particular person is. But to highlight some few a few things of episode 43, college basketball, we are down to the final weekend of the regular season. March 4th is going to have a lot of marquee matchups, a lot of seeding implications. It's going to be it's going to be an exciting time. You better be glued to your TV if you're a college basketball fan. That's all I have to say on that. NBA Week 18 Power Rankings. We're going to break down the top 10, kind of give our thoughts on that. And then we're going to look at the playoff race, especially in the Western Conference, because it is very, very tight. We mentioned that a few weeks ago, and two two weeks later, it's still the same. It's going to go down to possibly the last week of the regular season in in the NBA. And then to kind of round off the show, we have a little bit of NFL talk this week. Not a whole lot, just because, you know, what is it, the second, third week of the offseason now since the Chiefs won the Super Bowl? I'm also repping the Chiefs Super Bowl shirt today. Got to throw that out there. But for the NFL, we, me and Ryan, we're going to kind of highlight some of the crazy talk that's been going on in Chiefs Kingdom. I don't I don't like some of the takes that that you all are putting forth into the into the universe, I guess you could say. There's some ones that I kind of agree with some kind of, some ones that I don't. Ryan's going to share his opinions on that as well. And then NFL scouting combine is this week. I believe it starts either today or tomorrow for the actual on-field evaluations and all that, the 40-yard dash, the bench press, the L cone, the 20-yard shuttle. Things like that, the passing on the field, on the field, um, catching and everything. We're not necessarily going to preview all of that, but we're going to look at the Chiefs specifically and kind of take a look at, a, from a priority standpoint, their position of need heading into the offseason. So over the next couple of weeks, me and Ryan are going to be talking the top three positions of needs. And then today, of course, will be the top priority who we what we think they need to address this offseason. But 
That'll be later. For now, we're going to be talking some Royals. As I mentioned, Royal season, almost in full swing, spring training. Ryan, I know you, you've said a few times before you're not big on baseball, but you said you have been paying a little bit of attention to the spring training season so far. Yeah, I've tried. Royals, I mean, it's only it's technically like the preseason, but they've looked good, man. I don't have a whole lot of news. I will say their first first few games, they are let me take a look at the standings. Six and one through seven games of spring training. They are the first or they're the number one team in the Cactus League, believe it or not, for what it's worth. I know that it's spring training, but and there, I believe a few years ago, the Royals had the best record in spring training, and they had the best record through the first month of the season, and then they stunk the rest of the way. That's a pain. So, I mean, it, it's, you can't get too high, but I think given where the team is, you also don't want to get too low. You, I think it's a, that's something that's an accomplishment in itself. I mean, you take, you take wins. You got to be realistic about it. You, you do. Because they're they're not facing a starting lineup, like a starting caliber lineup that we normally would. There's a kind of spring training is essentially you'll face a few starters in a lineup in the batting order and everything. But for the most part, it's these guys that are part of an organization. So you have your AAA guys that are invited to spring training, maybe a few AA guys, and then very few like single A guys. It's majority AAA and AA. But those are the guys that pretty much are in the lineup getting reps just to see, just to see for those organizations, their scouts and everything, and their front offices is basically to see what they've got. A, an opportunity for them to showcase their talent. And for the Royals, I mean, 6-1, and one, some of our young guys are looking pretty good. So here's a quick breakdown of their seven games. I'm not going to go through every single game, but I will highlight that we the games we won. So the first win of the Cactus League season, we beat the Texas Rangers 6-5. The Royals then went on to beat the Texas Rangers again on Saturday. And then on Sunday, they played the Seattle Mariners. Monday, we did lose. That was the one game we lost. We lost to the Brewers. And then we beat the Cleveland Guardians on Tuesday. Wednesday, we played the Colorado Rockies. And then today we played the Angels in one. It's been kind of it's been rapid fire. They haven't really had a day off, which is different from the actual season. But it it's been interesting to say the least. I haven't really got a chance to tune in for a game yet, but I know that I did pe- take a peek at the box scores of a few games to kind of look at how some of the players have been doing. So Bobby Witt, for example, is batting four hundred. Yeah. Pretty pretty good. I know it's only spring training, but you know, you're happy with that for sure. MJ Melendez is batting three sixty four. Um Salvador Perez is batting five hundred. I did see Vinny Pasquatino, I believe he's batting over three hundred as well. Those are your that's your core four right there. And their first starting lineup against the Texas Rangers last week was actually and I, I really like this. This order, obviously there's some minor league guys thrown in there, but the top four I really love. You have Bobby Witt leading off. He's the future, of course. So 
makes sense that they're going to have him. Michael Massey at the at the two hole. I'm not a hundred percent sure if that'll be the opening day number two. I don't mind Michael Massey being there though. He's a he's a promising prospect at, uh, as, as our second baseman. And then there's Salvi at the three hole. I like that. And then Vinny Pasquatino to clean up at number four. Vinny Pasquatino, I feel like he's going to have a big season. I'm very excited to see what he does. Some of the pitchers, I believe uh, Brady Singer just took the mound yesterday, I want to say, against the Colorado Rockies. I'm actually curious to see how he did. I'm going to take a peek. One and two in one and two thirds innings, two hits, three Ks. Not bad. Three strikeouts. He's a he's gonna be our ace this year. He's likely to take the mound on opening day on March thirtieth. Or whatever day we play. I'm not exactly sure. I think we play the Minnesota Twins. Are we gonna go? Let's look into it. I'm about it. I think off the tech right now. That's actually a good question. Now that you bring it up. I'm not sure if we're home or away. What beer do they serve at the K? What beer? Yeah. Variety. They have Bush Latte? Uh, that I'm not sure. The, it's a, they've turned Kauffman Stadium to kind of a more upscale type of a thing, so I don't know. Day. So I don't know if you're going to find very much Bush Light at a, at a venue like that. So what's your go-to drink at the K? You're there, you're chilling. What are you getting? Boulevard. The sorry, I'm drawing a blank. I was trying to look up the game. The why am I drawing a blank on this? The Seltzer Boulevard, I forgot what it's called. Oh, you know what I'm talking about. Did you hear that? Your silver spoon dropping. <laughs> no, those are those are delicious. They're why am I drawing a blank on this? I'm normally not this talkative, maybe that's why. No, this is gonna bother me. I have to look this up. I've we and Hector have talked about quirks, Boulevard quirks. Yeah, Noel loves those things. Yeah, Boulevard quirks. Those are those are my go-to at the K, especially during the summer when it's like a ninety, a hundred degrees. A nice cold Boulevard quirk will get you by through the game. They're very refreshing. Not they don't. They're not heavy. They don't get you bloated. 93 calories. That's a steal. That is a steal. That's why, that's why I really like them. And people, I mean, there's the manly man out there. Like, I get it. It's not your thing. No, you drink what you like. I didn't think, I didn't think it was going to be my thing. Cause I, I mean, I like, I like a nice Modelo. I like a KC beer, the Dunkel. You know, I, I like some beer. I will not drink Bush Light or Bud Light. Oh no! Those are just those are just no goes for me. But Boulevard Quirks, I encourage people to try them. I I should be like a spokesperson for them. We have some at the house. Those Any future sponsorship, you know. If if we landed a sponsorship deal with Boulevard, that would be a dream come true. <laughs> That'd be amazing. <laughs> no, but uh, that that's a go to. There's the truly, or not the Trulies, the busy busy hard seltzers and all that. I mean, you you have your Blue Moon. If you if you do want a beer, and for the summertime, Leinenkugel, the lemon flavor. 
I don't think I've had that. I'm normally a seltzer dude because of the calorie. The Linicles are pretty good. They're, they are a beer. They're not a seltzer, but they're, they're not really heavy. They have a good taste. Yeah. I just say the bush latte stuff because I know it bothers you. I mean, it doesn't bother me. I know plenty of people that drink it. I get it. it, if, it I don't. If it's hot, you know, it's, it's like water, beer-flavored water. I mean, you, you like what you like. It's cheap. It's, I mean, it, it does it serves its purpose. I'll say that. <laughs> I don't want to babble too much, but have you had the Mountain Dew seltzers yet? No, I have not. I do remember we talked about this. Sensational. There's also, what was it, the Sonic? Mm-hmm. Those are pretty bad. But... Sorry, we're getting off topic. We're talking about all these beers. Now you're making me want to drink. Yeah, I'm getting excited. Opening day will be at the K against the Minnesota Twins. So hopefully the Royals keep it up. They've had a good spring training so far. I don't know how we'll look next week just because we are scheduled to have 10 players leave the team to go play in the WBC, the World Baseball Classic. We've talked about it a few times on this show. It's finally here. It's going to be happening next week. The four locations throughout the world, I believe Phoenix, Miami, and then two, one in Asia, and one maybe in Europe, I want to say. So we have 10 players going. I couldn't name all. There's Vinny Pasquatino, Nicky Lopez, Brady Singer, Bobby Witt, Salvi, and, of course, a few others. The, I actually was watching the news before this show. It's, it's funny because Nicky Lopez is supposed to have his birthday on March 13th. That's when they come back, and he's playing for Team Italy. And they're going across the country or across the globe, so technically his he'll have his birthday twice, just because of time zone and everything. That is cool. So that'd be interesting. One of the things that stuck out so far, and I'm sure a lot of people are gonna have their different opinions on it. So far through spring training, it, it's definitely created a conversation. The pitch clock, not only the pitch clock, but the batter clock too. So they're both timed this season and. We talked about it last year. There was three new rules that the MLB was going to implement. This, of course, was one of them. The other one was going to be the new bases. So each base is, uh, went from 15 inches to 18 inches. And then there's also the ban on the shift. Ryan, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the shift, are you? Yeah. So the infield essentially cannot move. They have to be stationary in their position. So like first, second, third, and short, they have to be right there at their positions they can't move whether a batter is a right-handed batter and they predominantly hit to the left you know what i mean so they can't do that but the pitch clock has really drawn a lot of conversation this it's going to be interesting this season because usually if you think about a baseball game it can last hours three hours three hours 30 minutes sometimes four hours and typically it's because of the pitchers so there's now they've been keeping track of how long the games have gone on for and it they've been significantly shorter. They've averaged around I believe two and a half hours. Yeah, that's what I saw. Instead of instead of three hours that we're accustomed to seeing. So for example, the first two spring training games, the Royals were one of them. Their game against the Rangers was two hours and 33 minutes. And then the Padres and Mariners that day as well were two hours and 29 minutes. So if you're not into baseball because it's really slow, which I get, it can be sometimes, 
this may be this may be a point to draw you in. It speeds the game up. You're not seeing pitchers take forever. You're not seeing batters fix their gloves and everything for a good minute. It's gonna be it's gonna be sped up a lot more. And today there's actually a pitcher that had a 20 second strikeout. So he went one two three within 20 seconds because you have to you get to get going very quick. It's gonna be interesting to see during the regular season how pitchers you know say they throw three balls in a row. Normally, if you're in that three zero count, a pitcher typically kind of walks off the mound and kind of refocuses, gets himself going, kind of like, hey, you know, you got this, we can get through this, we can get through the inning. They're not going to have that same luxury anymore. They're going to have to be very, very quick because I think it's 15 seconds, and it's 15 seconds for the batter to get into the box. You can't step out and fix your gloves, pull up your pants, mess with your helmet, do things like that. It's going to be interesting to see how players adjust to it. I think as a casual like I am, I think it'll help those fans draw in the younger crowd. It's going to be much faster. I kind of like it and I kind of don't. And I kind of don't because people have talked about it like on Twitter. It's a good point. You go to a baseball game, usually at the K, example for the summer, I think of a night game. You're there. You're having quite a few beverages. And you can do that because you're going to be there for at least three hours or more. Now you have to kind of be a little bit more responsible, which isn't necessarily a problem. People should be responsible in general. But you know what I mean? You, you, If you're going to a baseball game over the summer, like say it's a Saturday night, you know you're going to be there for a while. You know you're there to kick it, essentially. You kind of lose that, if that makes sense. Yeah, I can understand that. That's, what, that's a quick update on the Royals, though. <laughs> Not really too quick. We. 18 minutes into the same. We kind of got off topic with the drinks, but... Yeah, that's my fault. No, you're good. It was fun. That added a little bit more to the show because we haven't, we haven't had a drink in a while, which we probably will soon. I gave up beer for Lent, but we can always have cocktails. Are you allowed to have seltzers, or does that, is that being too nitpicky? I think it'll, I think it'll fly. Cool. Well, I think, yeah, I think it will. I'll bring us some. Quirks, you said? All right, yes, I got sir. you. We'll leave off baseball with that. We'll have another MLB update next week on the Royals. And we'll keep you guys updated on the Royals players during the WBC as well. Now we'll get into college basketball. With this being, I didn't even realize it. This is the first episode of March of Bar Top Sports Talk. March Madness is finally here. Almost. Almost. For the fans that have been patiently waiting. Typically, they sit out the regular season. I know a lot of people, they don't really like watching college basketball during the regular season. They usually wait till March, so the conference tournaments and the NCAA tournament, of course. Your time is finally here. It's, it's awesome. I love this time of year. Ryan, I know you do too. It's one of the best sport, sporting events out of the entire calendar, calendar year, I would say. It's my favorite holiday, Selection Sunday, every year. To start the college basketball segment, we will look at the latest AP Top 10 for Week 18 of the College Hoops season. So, number one, the Houston Cougars. And I get it, they're 27-22. and 22. Some people may agree with it, some 
people may not, just given strength of schedule. They do play they do play a tough some tough teams here and there. They have Wichita State tonight. Will be an interesting one, even though it's at Houston. Alabama at number two. They stay in the top. They stay at number two after a few nice wins. I'll give them that. They're going to be an interesting team, though, because given that we kind of alluded to it in episode 42, given the situation with Brandon Miller, if you've all done your research on it or maybe you've seen it, what was he basically lent a firearm to a fellow teammate, correct, Ryan? He literally brought the firearm to the teammate at the club. And then that weapon was then used for murder. And Brandon Miller has continued to play. The Alabama coaching staff and the Alabama administration has continued to let him play. I just I don't understand. And I wanted to highlight this because it's been it's kind of been brushed over in a way and it bothers me because there you have athletes like um Caleb Grill from Iowa State yeah, he recently got kicked off the team. It hasn't been specified why. There was something said apparently, but even then, that Iowa State acted quickly on that. Mm-hmm. And then, from the NCAA perspective, there was a story recently about two female basketball players from the University of Miami. They're twins. I don't know. Yeah, they had something to do with they received money. From a booster or something like that, something mm-hmm. sorts. I could be wrong. Don't quote me on it. But no, you're right. They are now being investigated in the University of Miami women's basketball program is being investigated over that. But you know the NCAA or Alabama won't bat an eye for you know one of their one of the top players in the country distributing a weapon. Yeah, projected top five pick. I saw that the reason. The NCAA can't really step in or won't is because you can't be an accessory to an accessory in the state of Alabama. So technically, even though we know it's weird, he committed a crime, just not in that state. So it's just kind of one of those weird gray areas, even though they have the text to prove it. Someone, a young woman did die. Was a young woman, right? It was the girlfriend of the other dude. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. So technically he didn't commit a crime though, but the repeated just mishandling of the situation by Alabama and the player himself. It's something I've never seen before. It's definitely unprecedented, for sure. People are acting up. And honestly, these past two games, he's probably improved his draft stock. Because you think about the first game since the incident, he dropped 41 points. And then this past game, I believe he flirted with a double-double. He had like 17-9 and or something like that. Was well close to his season averages. And it was a big win against over Auburn. So I get why Alabama is number two in the country, but really, should they be? Probably not. Probably not. That dude probably shouldn't be playing. Arkansas Jayhawks are number three. We have some exciting news about them here in a second during the KU Big 12 update. UCLA at number four, again. Purdue at number five. Marquette at number six. Marquette's starting to gain a lot of national buzz. I don't know if you've seen that. Right. Yeah, overrated. Really? Yeah. I think they might surprise some people come March Madness. Chaka Smart's still their coach, though. 
Yeah, but I don't know. They're they're a good story this season. Baylor at number seven, Arizona at number eight, Texas at number nine. That's gonna change. Gonzaga at number 10, rounding off the AP poll for week 18. Any complaints of it? Mm, basically, Marquette. 23 and 6. They're up four spots from last week. They were number 10 in the country. They move up to number 6. Who would you have over them? Probably anybody in the top 7 or 8. I don't know. I was just looking at their strength of schedule quad one wins how many quad four games they've played their home and away record i don't know i was just geeking out over the stats and stuff i didn't know they had quad four wins yeah okay i see your point now but i mean obviously they're in first place in their conference i get that they probably should have more love and probably just being weird but it just always makes me nervous when you see these teams that highly ranked when they haven't really played anybody but i mean i guess they are top of the that's typically Gonzaga. And Gonzaga, they've, they've struggled a little bit. Yeah, this will be the year they make the Final Four when they're not overhyped. <laughs> I mean, they've made the Final Four before, but can they actually get over the hump, you know, and win it? They've had a tougher strength of schedule in recent memory. They've, like I said, they've struggled to, like, in terms of what the Gonzaga fan base and what we as college basketball fans are accustomed to seeing. Because at this point in the season, they're, they've usually only lost one to two games. This is usually when they play bigger, like power five schools with big athletic players who aren't intimidated. And they actually have, they're not actually the biggest team on the court or the most athletic. And just like, just like Memphis last year in the tourney. That was such a close game. They had with Jalen Dern. Yeah. That's the look. At, that's the top ten though. Next week will be the final AP poll, and then it's the seeding. After next week, that's gonna be exciting. Can't wait for that. Brack or selection Sunday. Technically, a little over a week away. What are we? Ten days. Yeah, it's the twelfth. Yeah, 10 days away from Selection Sunday. Conference tournaments are going to be next week. Definitely tune in for those. You'll want to tune in for the Big 12 tournament. And you want to know who is number one seed in the Big 12 tournament that just locked it up yesterday? Who? Well, I'm glad you asked. Our Kansas Jayhawks are once again Big 12 champions. Outright champions of the Big 12. Rock chalk. Rock chalk. So Kansas. Just beat Texas Tech on senior night this past Tuesday. We needed that win. It was it was one that you figured they would get, but the actual game itself, you were moments there you were a little nervous. Is this gonna be the team that loses for the first in thirty nine years on senior night? They have thirty nine straight went victories on senior night. And this team, they've had they had moments where it looked like they could have blown it. They had a nine point lead at halftime. It ended up being what a two or three point game, four point game yeah. in the final. Grady Dick just non 
Non-existent. Grady Dick was hole of seven from the floor, hole of five from three-point range. Jalen Wilson, he had a decent game. Shooting the ball wasn't very, very well, but he ended up with 21 points. He was our leading scorer. Dewan Harris had another solid game. He's he's putting together a really good stretch, and he's peaking at the right time. It's great looking forward. He has two more years of eligibility after this season, too. And I don't think we have to worry about him leaving. I'd be fine with him staying next year, the year after that. I'd like him to leave. If we keep winning, he can stay as long as he wants. So, Dewan Harris, in the past four games, he's scored in double digits three times. He has 14 against, he had 14 against Baylor. He had 17 against West Virginia. And he had 16 against Texas Tech. I believe this season we are undefeated when Dewan Harris scores in double digits. Mm-hmm. He, he needs to be aggressive. Very aggressive, especially if, you know, guys like Grady Dick, their shot isn't falling, or Kev, Kevin McCullers having an off game, or if our leading scorer, Jalen Wilson, is having an off game. You know, we need Dewan Harris to pick, pick up the slack a little bit. And I know that's not his game, but. I mean, he, he's shown that he can do it. You're an upperclassman now. you got to be able to answer. So the Kansas Jayhawks, they picked up that victory. And at that point, it was only a share of the Big 12 championship until last night. The Kansas Jayhawks needed Texas to lose to Texas, or to TCU, Texas Christian University. Was it in Fort Worth? It was at TCU. So the Longhorns had to travel to Fort Worth as of late, it hasn't been an easy place to play. In years past, it has been, but this year the TCU Long or Horn Frogs are much better. They defeated the Texas Longhorns seventy-five to seventy-three. At one point in the game, they led by ten. Or through most of the game, they led by ten. Texas cut it very close. I know Longhorn Nation is upset. They've got to be sick to their stomach. I'm sure all the Big 12 has to be sick to their stomach, especially the little brother. What did you text me right after the game? Horns down. Always. Kansas State finishes second in the Big 12. Well, as of right now, the seeding two through four, I believe, is still up for grabs for the Big 12 tournament. Kansas State, Baylor, Texas, and TCU, they all will have to sort that out this weekend. So I'm sure a team like Kansas State is probably actually rooting for us this Saturday to beat Texas because then that would give them the number two seed. So lots of things to lots of things still on the line. This coming weekend in the Big 12, a lot of big games. We can take a look at it real quick. Iowa, Iowa State, I mentioned they're down a player now with a loss to Caleb Grill. They still have a chance to make the tournament. They're 17 and 12. They're on the bubble. Through most of the season, they've been ranked. This this uh, Caleb Grill being dismissed from the program, it's a big loss, but they could get right with a win at Baylor. Baylor, they have a lot on the line. It's senior night. The number seven in the country as of right now. They could lock up a potential, maybe a two seed in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, it's going to be a big weekend. It's going to be exciting. Kansas State is on the road at West Virginia. West Virginia 
it's a big game for them too because if they lose, they could end up playing us in the. They would have to win the their first game, but we would play the winner, the eight and nine seed. On West, Vir- West Virginia has been playing really well as of late, and what and we've talked about it on especially last week. We mentioned that Morgantown is not an easy place to play. No, very difficult. I feel like that may be an upset alert. I know the record doesn't show it, but I think that's just them being being a victim of playing against Kansas, playing in the Big 12. Another up, potential upset game, TCU against Oklahoma. Can the Horn Frogs close out the regular season on a high note? You just beat Texas. Now you go on the road to Norman. And again, the Oklahoma Sooners, they're 14 and 16. They're not having a good year. They're obviously going to miss the tournament. They're still a team that's tough, though. They have some super seniors on their team, guys that know how to play. They're just a scrappy bunch. I feel like TCU could potentially get upset. That's a team. Oklahoma's a team you cannot take lightly if you're TCU. I mean, for Oklahoma, it's win or go home, even though it's still the regular season. I mean, they still have a shot if they can win the Big 12 tournament. I mean, I doubt it, but honestly, if they, they beat every game. Yeah, if they beat TCU and they make it to the second round of the Big 12 tournament, I think that creates a an argu- or a case for them to be in the the final or not the final four, the the first four. You know what I mean? To get into yeah. the round of 64. We've seen they've actually been in that situation before. I, I want to say when Trey Young was in school, I could be wrong, but Iowa, I think a few years ago, was in that situation. They played themselves into the NCAA tournament. Oklahoma could do it too. I wouldn't put it past them. Yeah, I mean, they don't really have a lot of bad losses. They have a lot of losses, but I mean, I just don't think they have the talent to compete. I mean, they had a really tough schedule too. Even their non-con was tough. And somehow they beat Alabama. Still, that still puzzles me how they did that. We mentioned Kansas had Texas, the marquee matchup of the Big 12 weekend. And then Oklahoma State at Texas Tech. These two teams could probably face each other next Wednesday during the opening round of the Big 12 tournament. That's going to be a slugfest because both of those teams are still fighting for a bid for the NCAA tournament. Nothing's going to be easy. But at least Kansas took care of business. We got a little bit of help. But we are Big 12 champions once again. 17 Big 12 championships in the last 20 years. Absolutely unreal. And did you see the stat that Bill Self has never finished below third in any conference he's been the head coach at? I did see that. Even goaded. when he was at Tulsa, when he was at Illinois. Just, I mean, he's a Hall of Famer for a reason. Very impressive. It, I th- I think about it because he's he's getting up there in age, kind of, so to speak. At least he he's old, but he's not old. Yeah, you know what I mean. Usually, you see a lot of college basketball coaches that coach into their seventies sometimes, and I think he's creeping up on sixty. I want to say so. It's, it kind of in the back of your mind, you're thinking, how much longer can he do this? And how much longer can Kansas have that success? And then if he does retire. Do we turn into like North Carolina with Huber Davis? Huber Davis is a former alum of North Carolina, but they're struggling. I, it'd be almost like the Twilight Zone to see Kansas not good at basketball 
It'd be scary. So definitely if you're a Kansas Jayhawk basketball fan, you need to appreciate Bill Self while we still have him. This run that he's gone on since 2003 is just incredible. Two national championships, multiple Final Four appearances, multiple Elite Eight appearances, 17 Big 12 championships. I don't know if you saw this, but did you see he won? he's won 17 Big 12 titles in 20 years. Mike Krzyzewski won 13 ACC titles in 42. I think it's pretty clear who's better. Yeah. And I don't really remember the ACC being... Yeah, it's still the ACC back then, right? Mm-hmm. I don't really remember any other prominent teams. North Carolina, of course, but the ACC, that's usually all it really is. Yeah, I agree. I'm not being a Big 12 like fanboy, but yeah. And then there's the argument people, they do raise a question. If the Big 12 is such a powerhouse program or powerhouse conference, you know, why has Kansas won it 17 out of the last 20 years? It's a good question. Look at all the NBA players we've beaten. You got to give them some credit, like Bill, like being able to win that. Early on in, in the early 2000s or kind of late 2000s, you had Kevin Durant. Texas was a good program. In the 2010s, Iowa State was always competitive. What was, what was the coach's name? They called him the mayor of, of Ames. They do the coaches in the Hoiberg. Yeah. Fred Hoiberg. They always had pretty good teams. And then towards the later portion of the 2010s, you had Baylor. And even now, Baylor, they just won the national championship the year before we did. We've, we've had competition. The big Just because we've won... You know, 17 out out of 20 doesn't mean that Big 12 has just been a cakewalk. You know, if that's the case, then is the SEC really a dominant football conference if Alabama and Georgia win every single year? I get the argument. I I feel like that's kind of just irrelevant for when people bring that up. And kind of on the outside of KU basketball, it's still KU athletics. We're always going to shout out our Jayhawks. Shout out to the softball team. They threw a no-hitter over the weekend against Texas Southern. Who was it? The Addison Purvis, her first career no-hitter in KU softball. It's their first no-hitter since 2019. So they've thrown multiple no-hitters in the program's history, which is impressive. I wanted to shout that out real quick. Gotta show love to KU Athletics all around. We're not just a basketball school. Championship University, buddy. I know we we were good at track and field at one, uh, recently. I believe we had a women's NCAA championship in track and field. Yeah, not too long ago. All right, enough of KU though. I know we could talk KU all day, but we gotta continue on. And to end the college basketball segment, we have a very very special announcement. If you all followed along with the show last year, you're probably familiar with what we did around this time. And we're going to do it again. The Bar Top Sports Talk Bracket Challenge is going to make its return. Given, I mean, of course, since Bracketology is going to be, as we mentioned, Selection Sunday is 10 days away. We want all of you, all of our listeners, to participate. We're going to 
We're making this announcement right now. We're going to keep reminding you guys. After next week, we're going to have another social media post. We're going to put it on Facebook and we're going to create a link through the ESPN Tournament Challenge app. And everyone is welcome. Put your knowledge to the test. Can you beat me and Ryan? Probably. Your fiance destroyed us. Yeah, we year. we lost. I'm not, <laughs> I shouldn't. <laughs> I got the national champion, right? That's all that matters. Yeah, I did too. I, I, you guys will probably beat us. It's it's a fun time though. It's a good it's a good chance to you know really pay attention to the NCAA tournament, and you could win some money. Tino's being humble. You're not gonna beat us. <laughs> so it'll be what do we think ten dollar buy in. I think that's good. Yeah, ten dollar buy in. I know eggs are expensive right now. Yeah, I'll cover the first five people that join. There you go. So if you're hearing this, maybe that's pretty enticing. Not counting you, Tino, or your girlfriend, because she won last year. Beyonce, my bad. It's all good. It's all good. Yeah, Marissa is the reigning tournament challenge champion. We'll see if she can defend her title. It's going to be interesting. It'll be a fun time. We hope you all join. Wanted to put that out there. Like I said, be on the lookout for the social media post. and. If you are on the ESPN Tournament Challenge app, look it up. We're going to be BTST Tournament Challenge. Pretty simple. Look forward to that. Very excited. And now we'll transition to the NBA. We have Week 18 power rankings for the NBA as we now are. How many games is it? Last week it was 23. So well, we're probably around the 19 range. Yeah, I know the Lakers have 19. I have that in my notes, but. So to kick off the top 10 in the latest NBA power rankings, you have the Milwaukee Bucks at number one again. It makes sense. 16 straight. I give respect to that. Last week I was kind of doubting it just because the Celtics had a similar record, but I get it. The, they are the hottest team in the NBA right now. They're one of the best defensive teams in the NBA right now too. Boston Celtics are not too far off though. We're right there at number two. The only thing that kind of hurts us is, you know, we've had a few players miss some games. Jalen Brown's still dealing with that facial fracture. He's wearing his mask. I know he missed the game this week and we lost. The Denver Nuggets at number three, of course. No surprise within the top three. Those are easily the top three teams in the NBA. After that, it's kind of a toss-up, I feel like. Yeah, I would agree. Because then number four, you have Philly. Number five, you have Memphis. I know we don't like Memphis. Number six, Cleveland. Cleveland's slid a little bit. It's the most wrong I've ever been about a team ever. I mean, it's still up in the air. I mean, they could still fall flat on their face, but I feel like the team is just too talented to not succeed or to at least not have some postseason success. Yeah, they match up with the Celtics well. I was watching that today. They still lost. It's crazy. Yeah, they did, but I was just saying, I didn't. it amazes me how good they are. Like Donovan Mitchell had that crazy sophomore year, had the crazy bubble year. And just kind of fell off the new situation, new team, new coach, and then he's a fun player to watch. Yeah, I like him. They're hooping. You know who's really hooping? I'd say this is the second hottest team in the NBA right now. You may disagree. I'm not sure. The New York Knicks. Yeah, I think they've won six straight, undefeated since the Josh Hart trade. Yeah. So you have the Villanova connection with Josh Hart and Jalen Brunson, two national champions. You know, linking back up, I believe they might have been roommates. Not 100% sure. I know they were really good friends at Villanova, though. 
I don't know if they have the defense to make the noise like that, but they can score the ball. I mean, they do have one of the best defensive minds as their head coach. To the dough. I wouldn't put it past them. They're a team to watch out for. I wasn't taking them serious, but now I kind of am. No, I wasn't. I don't think anybody took them serious. Even Knicks fans, they yeah. always start hot and fizzle out, or they just never start at all. You know what I'll be ready for, though? Those uh, crazy New York videos. <laughs> like it, the Spider-Man? If you are familiar with what I'm talking about, you might catch the reference. You might not. But those were pretty iconic. Number eight, the Sacramento Kings. They're up a few spots, I believe. Number nine, the Phoenix Suns. I think they're going to be a team that keeps climbing. Kevin Durant, I mean, he obviously makes that roster better. Yeah. Number 10, the Los Angeles Clippers. They slid a little bit. We can take a look at the NBA standings now to see if the NBA got the power rankings right. Ryan, do you have any complaints? No, not really. I think it's pretty accurate just given... The teams on the outside of the top 10, they don't really have too much of a compelling case. Really, it's the Miami Heat and the Dallas Mavericks, maybe. It's it's really so close. There's so many teams that are at 32 or 31 wins in both conferences. And we mentioned it when we highlighted some of the segments at the top of the show. The Western Conference race. I can't remember a time when the playoff were what two or probably three weeks away from postseason play, and it's still that close from seeds. It's going to get entertaining from seeds five through 12 and actually 13 because the Oklahoma City Thunder at 13 right now and they have 28 wins and the Golden State Warriors have 32. That's unbelievable. There's so much up in the air right now that you just can't pick who's going to make it. Yeah, a lot of injuries too. So the Los Angeles Lakers, I think they're one of the biggest. You Obviously LeBron got hurt. We all knew that from over the weekend, his foot. Have you watched the game? He's, he's mouthed, my foot popped. I felt it pop. Did you see that? Yeah, they said it was a tendon injury. But they didn't say like, anything specific about it couldn't have come at a worse time the lakers i watched a game last week they looked so impressive Mm -hmm. i was blown away by their new additions jared vanderbilt that was the game he scored 17 i like austin reeves a lot austin reeves is underrated yeah he is he's got an attitude too he has that like christian brown energy he does he definitely does i agree with you there and then how about Anthony Davis getting dunked on and then now he's questionable? Yeah, he sat yesterday and then the head coach said today he's not playing in pain, but we have to monitor it. That's why we rested him. So he came out of the game in the third quarter then sat the next game and he wasn't in pain though. I understand you can't risk your body. You might want to drop a game to get rest, but if you weren't in pain... LeBron's out. You're trying to make a playoff push. You have former Laker or Laker legends, however you phrase it, calling you out. Like you think, you think you play if you weren't in pain. Like, it worries me. I was I was hyping them up. I was giving them praise last episode, episode forty two. 
I said that they needed to win at least 15 games. It's really up in the air now. You don't know because of the LeBron James injury. Yeah, because it just said three weeks to be evaluated, not three weeks until return. And that's the end of the season. Yeah, so then he has to get back into game shape, and what if they get in rhythm without him? And also with the Pelicans having injuries, the Warriors dealing with injuries, not having Curry, and then we still don't know when Andrew Wiggins is going to come back. There's no update. So, like, he got injured and came back, so I thought maybe he got injured again because I noticed I wasn't seeing him in any of the box scores, and he was never just a bunch of DMPs. He's been out for three weeks for personal reasons, and we don't know why. They haven't released why. Did he have a, Did he have a kid? No. I know he had a, I thought it was after the finals or something, but no, nothing. I was trying to look for it. There's no updates or anything, just personal reasons. DMP. Well, as a fellow Jayhawk, I mean, I hope he's okay. Yeah, me too. It's weird. You'd think if there was like a death or something in the family, like they would have said, hey, he's going to be out. Yeah, know. no official statement. No, no. That is interesting. That DMP, that. no timetable for his return either. Hmm. Three weeks. And that could throw the Warriors off. The Warriors, that fifth seed isn't set in stone, as I mentioned. The Lakers really aren't far from them. The Lakers are at 30 wins. But I, I just don't understand. Your, your two superstars are missing games with the season on the line. LeBron, I can understand. Anthony Davis, he shouldn't sit the rest of the season. There's no reason for it. You weird. you mentioned that last week. If they were to get, I think we talked about if they were to get the six seed, they can't miss any games. Even now, the playing tournaments in question. Yeah, I mean they def. I mean I guess I don't know. Last night they didn't have their big three and still won. They beat OKC. OKC's played really well, but the West is tough. But if they don't have those dudes, it's like there's not even a point to make the plan, even if they can win. They do have some tough games. Memphis, Clippers. They have some tough games coming up. I know they play the Bulls, I think, twice, and the Rockets a time or two. But other than that, there's no easy games there. Another team that's what's going on is kind of unfortunate because of the just the level of play this guy is at right now. He's just out of this universe. Dame Dollar and the Portland Trailblazers. I'm sure everyone saw he scored 71 points on Sunday night. But the Portland Trailblazers are on a two-game losing streak, and they're 3-7 and seven in their last 10 games. That game against the Houston Rockets, I had a little interesting tidbit about it. Was It became Damian Lillard's fifth career 60-point game. I don't know. He gets a lot of hate because he hasn't technically accomplished a lot, but that dude is one of the most prolific scorers in NBA history. He's easily... Well, I can't say easily. In your opinion, do you think he is the greatest Portland Trailblazer of all time? I know Clyde Drexler's up there. And Luke Walton. I guess it just Bill depends Walton. on how you rank the success, but I I would say with individual talent, he might not have the postseason success because he's playing in a, I mean, for his whole career, it's been super teams only. They've had some good teams, but dealt with so many injuries. I would say probably. I mean, what's he listed as? 6'2", 6'3", maybe 6'4", and shoes, and that's generous. 
I'd say six three is generous. Right. He, he's probably six two. Can you think of a better scorer his height? Like in NBA history, not just this generation. And I know that you know everyone wants to talk about the defense. That's why. So why isn't everyone scoring seventy then? Actually, there is quite a few people. Now, now that you bring that up, so this season, and I was I was going to mention the Houston Rockets, their defense. This season alone, I'm going to list these games. Damian Lillard, 71 points. Luka Doncic, 50 points. Lowry Markkinen, 49 points. John Morant, 49 points. LeBron, 48. Giannis, 44. Anthony Edwards, 44. Trey Young, 44. Shea Gilders Alexander, 42. Clay Thompson, 42. Clay Thompson, 41. Devin Booker, 41. Tyler Hero, 41. Granted, that's the Houston Rockets. But this we've talked about the level of defense being played, especially this season. We've seen, you know, Donovan Mitchell scored 70. This is the this is actually the first season in NBA history with multiple players to score 70 points. So I, I, I kind of think the defenses are not that good. But Damon, no, I'd say they they don't play defense very hard. I would agree, but still, though, he did it efficiently. He did it very efficiently. The whole month of February, he's been on fire. That's what I mentioned. It's it's unfortunate that the Trailblazers, you know, Damian Lillard's success isn't translating into wins and putting them in position to possibly make a run at the playing tournament. They still have a chance. But to kind of highlight his month of February, I think he's easily the player of the month in the Western Conference. I agree. 40 points per game, 6 rebounds per game, 7 assists per game, shooting splits of 50, 42, 96. That's an MVP. Yeah. You never know what the Pelicans dealing with their injuries, the Warriors, then Utah, the Timberwolves. You never know. They could get hot, win, you know, four or five straight games and be a top, what, they'd be in the sixth seed, I think, depending on the other wins and injuries. Because I know... He's he's also missing his running mate, Anthony Simons, which I I really like that backcourt a lot. They, they 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 do still have a chance. They need to be fully healthy. And someone else has to step up besides him, man. He's the first player to average forty points per game in the month of February since Kobe Bryant in two thousand three. Like I said, I he people may agree, they may disagree. I think he's one of the most underrated players ever. And some people may disagree and say he's one of the most overrated players in NBA history. Just given the fact he's never won MVP. He's not, he, I can't remember. He may have been a first team all NBA selection. He's never won a championship, yada, yada, this and that. The, the talent is undeniable. Yeah. Just the, Strength alone to not go join a super team when everyone left that Trailblazers team. I think they lost three starters in one season. He still came back. Now everyone from that team's gone. I respect the hell out of him. He's one of my favorite players to watch. I really like him, Jalen Brown. And you'll kind of laugh at this. I like Paul George a lot. But I'm thinking. I like Paul George. I'm thinking like Indiana Pacers, Paul George. Oh, 2012, 2013. That was crazy. Now, another speaking of scoring, though, and you'll like this. On this day, 61 years ago. Yes, sir. You know what happened? Yep. Let him know. Wilt Chamberlain, former KU Jayhawk legend, 
former NBA greats, one of the greatest NBA players ever. Some people may agree with that. Some people may not. Scored 100 points 61 years ago today. The infamous 100-point game still hasn't been touched. It's incredible. Given the fact, I, I mentioned, you know, all the scores, all the high scores against, like, the Houston Rockets, and this being the first time in NBA history that you, we've seen two players score 71 points, 70 points or more. Some players are getting kind of close. In your opinion, do you think that that record ever gets broken? If defense keeps going like it is. Yeah, probably. I mean, I hope it doesn't because it'd be cool for Will to have it. A Jayhawk, but it'd be cool to see someone else break it. I'm not against it. I wouldn't mind it either. I mean, we saw the we saw LeBron break Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's record. A lot of people didn't think that would ever get broken. That stood for 40 years, give or take. This record has stood 61 years. But as I mentioned, players are getting closer and closer. And again, the way defense is being played, we could see it happen. And the amount of three-pointers taken. Out of the out of current players today, we've we've seen, you know, Donovan Mitchell, Damian Lillard, Kyrie, Luca, Tatum, Giannis. I don't think Giannis would be a one, but Kevin Durant. I don't think Kevin Durant would do it either. He's kind of older. Yeah. But say I'll throw out Kyrie. Tatum, Luca, Dame, Donovan Mitchell, and you might think of some off the top of your head. Who do you? What current player do you think would have a chance? I would give it to D. Lil only because he shoots a high percentage at the free throw line, an efficient scorer from the floor and three. He can also drive to the basket, but he's also a good passer too. What do you say? He was averaging seven assists in the month of February. I believe so. So he can get his teammates involved too. So in his range. I mean, he might be the second best shooter other than Curry, like in game. Because he's not a spot up shooter. Like, that dude creates his own shot. He can shoot from anywhere. And that's the thing. I give him more credit than Steph Curry because he does it a lot without screens. If you think about Steph Curry, and I've talked about it last year, I'm not discrediting Steph Curry. Steph Curry can create his shot with the best of them. But if you think about the way Golden State's system is, they set a lot of screens to get him open. Agree or disagree? Oh, no, I agree 100%. And also, Curry's played with one of the greatest scorers ever and a couple of Hall of Fame teammates. I don't know if Clay will make the Hall of Fame because of the injury and then him not really being the same. But, I mean, still, he's played, I mean. I think he will be. I mean, I don't really like Draymond, but when you look at his, what do you call it, resume compared to other Hall of Famers, it's hard to say he won't be. Yeah, I know he's fallen off, but with, I mean, the championships and all the defensive stats, first teams, I mean. Unfortunately, I'm not big on him, but I do agree. I think that's the only difference between Curry and D'Lil, really. Yeah. Now, one last point on the the record being broke that I, I raised that question. I will say this, and I think a lot of people would agree with it. Especially on Twitter. Twitter has no remorse. People on Twitter are savages. If you've ever been on there, you know. If you know, you know. A 100-point game today in today's standards 
I don't think it would have the credibility right now as if it happened maybe, you know, when Kobe at, scored 81. So think mid-2000s, late-2000s. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to have that same pedigree as it would have at that point, given the defense. It's yeah. still a huge accomplishment, though. Yeah, I feel like whatever generation you grew up watching in, you're always going to favor that generation before the other generation, so you're they're always going to look for a way to discredit it, just like how people discredit Wilt for doing it. Well, he still scored 100 against the best competition like of his era, of his time. Like, What was he supposed to do, not score 100 just because some of the other people weren't as good as him? And he dominated And that's no three-point line either. Yeah, he dominated for years. I mean, they made rules to make it more difficult for him to score. I get it. You got to give credit where credit is due. That's kind of all the NBA news we have for this week. I Two. had one more I wanted to throw Okay, okay, yeah, that's right, that's right, I forgot. Just with the Jayhawks doing well and I was looking at it. So, you know how, like, the Nuggets are one of the deepest teams in the league? So I was curious. So they ranked 20th in their bench minutes per game. In the last 10 games, Christian Brown is averaging 18 minutes, but he's shooting 65 true shooting percentage, 60 from three, seven points, Almost three boards, 1.3 assists, and one steal a game. On one of the deepest teams in the league. I just thought that was cool. He's playing pretty well, man. Because he does a lot of stuff that doesn't show up on the stat sheet. He, I just thought it was a cool little thing to say. Absolutely. He couldn't have landed in a better situation. Great coaching staff with Mike Malone. is one of the best coaches in the league. Obviously a great roster. You guys like Jokic, potential three-time MVP in a row. Michael Porter Jr., still a promising young star, potential star. Aaron Gordon, solidified player. And then Jamal Murray, he's a star. Mm-hmm. He couldn't have landed him in a better situation. Yeah, it's just amazing to me that I think they have him listed as 6'7". I don't think that's true. I think he's a little shorter than that. But Maybe six, the six. fact that he's playing defense it was said something like 80% of the time he's playing on the one and the two. So you got this little, he's not lengthy, he's not super athletic to like NBA standards, and he's out there playing defense on ones and twos. In the NBA, especially in the West, I just thought it was cool just because he was not, a, what was he, a three-star recruit coming out of Blue high Val- school? Blue Valley Valley College. Yeah. I just thought it was kind of cool. That, I'm excited for him, man. Like I mentioned in episode 42, if another team was going to win the NBA championship this year, other than the Celtics, I would not mind the Denver Nuggets to do it. And because they hadn't won. I think we talked about that last week, too. Yeah. That's where we'll leave off in the NBA, though. We'll have some more news for you guys next week. Continue to highlight the playoff push. And we'll have the Week 19 Power Rankings as well. Now, to end the show, we don't really have much from the NFL this week just because we we're going to wait until episode 44 to kind of dive more into the NFL scouting combine and look at some of the highlights, some of the players that really impressed and, and whatnot, and kind of update you all on a lot of the news cir- sorry, circulating around the, the league. Obviously, there's a lot of quarterback con- controversy right now. And speaking of quarterback controversy, I wanted to ask you this Ryan I've been 
sitting on it for a while, but I wanted to ask you live on the show because it made headline news for whatever reason, and a lot of people were intrigued by it. So Aaron Rodgers, of course, had his recent, his darkness trip, as he called it. Was it a mountain, or not a mountain, but a retreat in Colorado, or was it in Wyoming or something like that? I don't even know. I normally change the channel. I don't blame you. Anyway, if you all don't know, apparently Aaron Rodgers likes to take this trip at the end of each season to reflect on how he did his performance. And of course, to also think about his future, especially right now at 39, he's weighing his options because he could either retire, walk off, you know, go into the sunset or stay with the Green Bay Packers or leave the Green Bay Packers. So he has a lot on his plate. He needed to clear his mind, needed clarity, needed some self-reflection. So he took this retreat, the darkness retreat, and what it is, he stayed in this little, not even a cabin, it's built into almost a mountain, I'll say that, or a hill. It's a 300 square foot room, completely dark, no phone, no any kind of electronics of sorts, and he was there for four days. I'm not going to go into details about, you know, what all was in the room. He mainly meditated. That was kind of the highlight of the trip, I guess. But Ryan, I wanted to ask you, would you do the Aaron Rodgers retreat? No. Not even to consider it? No, I'm not a... I don't have hundreds of millions. I have to handle my stuff like a normal person and binge eat ice cream when I have to make decisions. I don't run and hide for four days. Fair enough. Fair enough. You wouldn't even do it for maybe a few hours? I sleep eight hours a night. Well, like four or five hours a night. That's good enough. There was a YouTuber actually that went to this place. And he did this before Aaron Rodgers made it famous, I think. And while he, he recorded himself, and of course it's in, uh, what is it? Dark mode, or not dark mode. Night vision. Mm-hmm. It was a night vision. They showed a time lapse of him going to sleep and then waking up. I believe he slept for 16 hours. Oof. I mean, you're getting perfect sleep if you think about it because you're not having any distractions. You're not having any light of any sort. No one's bothering you. So, I mean, it makes sense. I myself don't think I would do it. Maybe people are into that type of thing, you know, meditation and peace, quiet. I do like my peace and quiet. I don't think I could kind of lock myself into a 300 square foot place for four days. That just doesn't seem. Well, you have responsibilities. (laughs) That is true. Yeah. Compared to a multi-million dollar quarterback. His off this off season is going to be interesting with him. It's the corniest thing I've ever seen. It is corny. I think he tries to make himself seem more interesting than what he really is. I think he likes to use buzzwords to sound more educated or knowledgeable about certain things. Yeah, he just goes on podcasts and tries to sound like you said, just more sophisticated. He's really insecure. I think he is really insecure. Very insecure. That's just one thing I wanted to ask you. That's kind of stole headlines for whatever reason. It got 
made bigger than what it really should have been. Yeah, I'm trying to watch Combine stuff today, and we're still talking about it, because I guess he went on some podcast today or yesterday and said, he just said a bunch of crazy stuff like he always does. It was just gibberish. He was like, people say I'm a diva, but I'm not a diva. If you don't want to know about it, just tune me out. Like, how? We're getting notifications from Bleacher Report about how your darkness retreats over. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it got blown out of proportion, I will say that. Now to continue on in the NFL segment, as we kind of wrap up the show, we mentioned this offseason, the Chiefs are going to have some tough decisions to make at a few positions. Ryan, I've been wanting to ask you this as well. In your opinion, what is a top priority for the Chiefs? What position is number one on your list for need for this offseason? I just put re-signing Chris Jones or extending him, whatever you call it. So basically defensive line? Yeah. I'd say you, even though our defense played really poorly at times, we had some good plays at times. I still think you need a veteran on defense. I know we haven't had the best luck re-signing defensive players with big contracts, whether it's injuries that keep them off the field or just their play declines. But I think he creates, because he's usually double teamed, and he's still able to produce high, even if he doesn't produce well after you sign him the big money. I think it gets the fans behind the team, which we already are. But, like, I think it would kind of make a lot of people angry. If he walked, yeah. Like, if they, just, not walked, but if if they just let him go, being yeah. a part of two Super Bowls, having one of the best seasons, you know, really a defensive Chiefs player has had. And if he wouldn't have got that, was a strip sack and the fumble recovery from the Derek Carr game that was taken away, if he'd have got that, that might have pushed him over the edge to win the defensive MVP. But also he creates so much havoc on the line like that, it opens up plays for our secondary. I'm in agreement with you. I think not only do we need to re-sign Chris Jones, but by the way, the defensive line I would say is probably my top priority position of need. More so on the on the edge. Just given you don't know what's going to happen with Frank Clark. Interior, though, I do agree. I think you need to pair a young player with Chris Jones. And really, you need to sign Chris Jones before you can do anything, if you, if free agency-wise. Because at that point, then you'll know what the cap situation is going to be, which makes things a little bit more easier. That was easy, though. That was easy. I thought we were going to have a different one. No, that was pretty much. I was stressing out when you asked me about that because there's so many. Like, I was looking at the list of people who who were up for extensions or free agents, and I was like, well, I don't really know what we're going to do in the draft. But now that like Andy Reid kind of laid out kind of, I think, their plan for the future, I think it makes it easier to see that Chris Jones is vital like, for that team. I agree with you there. Well, he'll be the biggest domino for our offseason plans. And so, in. Episode 44, we'll have our second position of need, our second top priority. So tune in for that. And right before we end, I wanted to, as I mentioned, I wanted to highlight some of the bad takes that have been going around Chiefs Kingdom. And really this this started because of Arrowhead Pride. They posted a tweet saying, what's your unpopular offseason move that the Chiefs should do? And people took it and ran with it. Trading Chris Jones was one of the main ones. But you want to know which one really, I guess, grew larger and 
it almost seemed believable because more and more people kept on talking about it. Trading Legereus Sneed. I saw that. Uh. And that got started by 610 sports radio host Carrington Harrison. It's always 610 or 810. So his unpopular opinion was to trade Legereus Sneed. And his reasoning was, was that Brett Veach has shown that he can draft corners and have success, mainly this year. So he's banking his hypothetical situation off this past season because we had success from Jalen Watson, Joshua Williams, and Trent McDuffie, your boy. I completely, I could not disagree with him more. You're, that's a very small sample size, and those three guys still have so much to prove. Yeah, we got, I don't want to say we got lucky because those players put in the work, but how many draft classes end up being like that like all of our picks like that starting on a defense that's not ideal for any team no that's just kind of how everything fell that's not going to happen that is so rare that's an anomaly like one of those takes it's it's an anomaly he doesn't even believe it himself he's just trying to get views and clicks i think that's what it was would we get compensation for legerious need yes yes we would we'd get more draft picks we wouldn't have to resign them we don't know what his what market he's going to command, money wise. I think he's potentially a fifteen million dollar a year player, probably twelve to fifteen million in that ballpark. I don't know what he wants. It hasn't been reported what he wants. I thought it was just really interesting that that people took that and ran with it. And it like I mentioned, it it seemed believable because it was all over Twitter. And if I'm the Jerry Sneed, I'm like, what? What is up with this? Bro. You know, I've been your most versatile defender outside of Chris Jones and Nick Bolton. Those are our three pillars on defense at every level. Defensive line, linebacker, and secondary. I get it. You have to be confident in our draft. Like, that whole situation. We have gotten a few, like, lucky ones because you never really know. You can watch the film. There have been players who have been great in college and just fall off for whatever reason. Their game doesn't translate. You can't bank on that. You need some veterans. And everyone acts like our defense is like old all of a sudden. Like they're like all these guys are in their second year. Like they're still they're not rookies, but they're still young. They still have a lot to learn. Sneeds in this will be his fourth season. It's crazy. Like you need some older players. Yeah. Like even if it's I don't know. That that one that was a terrible take. It was a terrible take. And his other point was that he he mentioned how when has Brett Veach really invested into the cornerback position? Which is a good point. He hasn't. We haven't spent big money in free agency on a cornerback. We let Charvarius Ward walk last offseason. He went to San Francisco. We didn't want to pay him what he got. Obviously, thankfully it worked out, as you mentioned. I think that core of three rookie defensive backs as an anomaly that's probably never going to happen again yes Brett Veach hasn't invested into cornerback but when have we ever had success at corner over the last especially during the Patrick Mahomes era or even the last decade Marcus Peters and that didn't last long and even he had his flaws when when have we ever had good cornerbacks? When has Brett Beach ever really drafted good cornerbacks? We've had some solid guys, 
we've never had a number one corner. If we had success at corners, probably because our defensive line was getting pressure. You cannot rely on young corners to be out in coverage against some elite receivers. Like we've played the Cincinnati Bengals. They probably have the best receiving core in National Football League. Buffalo. Philly. Um, and many more. Even the Chargers, Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. There, there's plenty of other examples I have, but and then if you if you're really banking on this season alone, and we had some success as a defense, as a defensive unit, and that secondary had some success. Think about some of the receiving cores and quarterbacks they played against. Yeah, you're really gonna get hyped up because they shut down Tennessee, Indy, Houston. Name one number one receiver off those teams. I couldn't. Michael Pittman's the best one we played from them. Yeah. And even the Raiders outside of Devontae Adams. Who who do we who do they have? Hunter Renfro had a bad year. Darren Waller had a bad year. I just think we need to pump the brakes. This secondary is promising with those three guys. But the trade Legarius Sneed is ludicrous. Absolutely ludicrous. I agree. I think that was just to stir people up, get clicks and shares and likes. Because he, he can do so much for our defense. And he, he's too important to let go. Him and Chris Jones, we need to extend them. And then everything else will kind of fall in place. I agree. I, I That got me fired up a little bit. I'm not going to lie. I, I just, I don't want LeJerry Sneed thinking that Kansas City doesn't want him anymore. Like, there are people that want you, LeJarrius, if you ever listen to this. Yeah, that's the worst thing about sports media now. All these people just, even if it's just crazy, it's just hot takes the worst thing that ever happened to sports. Absolutely. Now, the other thing that I saw, and it wasn't really a bad take. Some people love it. I don't particularly love it. It was rumored. It's not set in stone. DeAndre Hopkins. He's on the trading block for the Arizona Cardinals. It was reported today, I can't remember who reported it, it was from a reputable source. They said that the Kansas City Chiefs were one of the top teams interested in them via trade. Obviously, DeAndre Hopkins is a potential future Hall of Famer. I think he has the case for it. He's very talented. Would he be... A great fit with Patrick Mahomes, absolutely. Do we need him? I mean, I think it would be amazing, but after hearing what Andy Reid said in his press conference, I think it was Tuesday. I don't think we're banking on getting him. I don't think so either. He said Sky Moore and KT are going to have larger roles. I just... Oh, sorry. I agree with you, though. I think even this season we prove we don't need a number one receiver. Mm-hmm. We can have a bunch of quality guys. DeAndre Hopkins, it would be awesome to have him. I don't think he necessarily, he can't lift us up. I question his personality on the field, fighting with teammates on the field. Is he going to want the ball too much? Because he has to understand if he comes here, he's still not the first option. He's not just going to randomly pass Kelsey. Mm-hmm. Like on one hand, I want to say it would be amazing to see, because I think he's more dynamic than Tyreek Hill, just because there's more better route runner, more versatile. I don't know if that's the word, 
you know, better hands, obviously, but, and it'd be cool in Travis's last couple years, like, you know, if he's still in his prime or whatever, to see him paired with someone like that, but how would that affect the chemistry? You know, it just takes one player to just completely ruin that. And he did have his, you know, his spats with Kyler Murray in the Arizona Cardinals coaching staff. Yeah, and that's embarrassing. I don't think we want an attitude like that in the locker room. I don't think he. I don't think he, it's an attitude problem from him. But I do agree with you that I think that he would want his his targets. He's a diva. I don't. I don't know. He's good. He's very, very good. I understand his frustrations. I think the Kyler Murray thing. He kind of rode with the hype. When he got there, he realized what was really going on. But I see what you mean there. It's one of those. Like I'm not taking anything away from him. It'd be amazing if we could, but. Why risk it when what we have now is already working? I don't think, yeah. I'm fine with what we have. I think we could, if we're going to make an addition to the receiving core, I think we'd do it through the draft. It'd be the safe play. We've seen that we can develop our players. Patrick Mahomes has proven that he can play with anybody. He can turn nobody into somebody. Just about anybody he can play with. Moving forward, I'm, I'm fine with where our receiving core is. We don't need to add a big name. People may disagree. They might want the the flashy toy. I just think we don't need it. it like I, I mentioned, mean, he's he's not going to take us over the top. We're already there. Yeah, it'd be cool, but I just that would just worry me how that's going to work with the offense financially too. Yeah, and we're already going younger. Why abandon that now? I agree. I agree. There's going to be more bad takes. There's going to be more Chiefs news in the coming weeks, especially with the Combine taking place this weekend and the NFL draft a few months away, or actually a month away, since we're in March now. Forgot about that. Tune in for episode 44 to get more updates. Everything Royals, College Hoops, KU, NBA, my Celtics. Ryan's Thunder. We don't don't really highlight them too much. Yeah, we probably should. They're (laughs) goaded. And then we're always going to talk some Chiefs. We'll give you guys any off-season news that comes our way. We hope you guys enjoy episode 44. We'll see you guys for episode 40. Or, sorry. We hope you guys enjoyed episode 43. We'll see you for episode 44. Before, oh, my bad. Go I was just going to say before we go, I know this is girly, but me and 35 are going 4-0 this week. Don't know what that means. He's listening, that's all. All righty. <laughs> well, there you go. See you guys for episode 44.